Welcome to Dark Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Dark Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Hello. Hey, Shell. Um, so I'm running back and forth between a couple different computers right now. So hold on one second. Alrighty. Um, yo, can you all hear me okay? Loud and, and clear. clear. For now, anyway. Sounding good. Alrighty. Well, um, welcome everybody to Hug Crowd, episode 48. It's craziness. Um, I'm going to pull up these show notes real quick. I'll throw them into the chat here. Throw them into Voices Voice. Just throw them everywhere. Boom. Yes. Um, hell yeah. So, how's everybody doing today? Good. Doing pretty rad. Awesome. Anybody do anything cool this weekend? 
I tried. Uh, the OSCP uh, VPN stuff went down, though. There was a, a power outage yesterday. Really? Yeah, it's one of their data centers. So, like, a lot of VPNs went down. My IP address changed. I can't RDP into my Windows machine anymore. And it's just a big old clusterfuck. God. That sucks. Yeah. Hopefully, it looks in my lab the, time. You're in the labs right now? Like, you're doing yeah. them now? I am indeed. I wonder what happened, but oh yeah, you said there's a fire. I said, sorry. That's, or it was uh, a power outage. I don't know what happened exactly, but outage. yeah. No, it's really really strange. Um yeah. I uh did a bit of coding this weekend. Some analysis of uh, weird files. Good time. Fun stuff, fun stuff. Hell yeah. So um I guess I just want to get into the news real quick then. Sounds good. Alrighty, so this first story here is amazing. Uh, in so <laughs> many ways. <laughs> oh man! So yeah. I don't know if you guys read about this, but this is a a college student was caught trafficking drugs through an iOS app that he made, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, he yeah. made it, and it was called a Banana Plug, uh, which so is. Good. Uh, don't you think people would pick up on that right away? <laughs> oh, you think like. <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't be up for long. <laughs> um, there yeah, are some so pretty interesting know. apps made by college students. Have you guys heard of Mother Badger? I've not. No. Like they got all these. They just made this app where all these chicks send like Snapchat nudes, and like the entire school is into it. And like all of the local universities around Canada are using it now, and they're like sending like all of these party shit, like selling yeah. drugs on there at one point. Yeah, like, gonna spiral mean, real it, quick. So what's amazing about this is that uh, wasn't this the one where he, his full name was in the developer name in the store? <laughs> yeah. it had his name in it, and so people were talking about how they use it to buy drugs, and they sold they sold like pretty hard drugs. It wasn't just weed; it was like weird meth. shit. Yeah, like there was meth in the last thing they did. They, they got them they, on. Molly and shrooms and stuff like that. I just read. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's like it, if you're going to do something like this, if you're trying to be uh, Dread Pirate Roberts, uh, don't just use your fucking full name. Yeah. Cool. Who also got caught because of his use of the uh, the Apple Store, ironically. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty amazing. And so, what sucks is he, he faces a maximum of twenty years in prison and a fine of one million dollars for each of the two counts. Of distribution and possession with intent to distribute coke and methamphetamine. So that's that's pretty heavy. That's um Yeah. That's what happened to the old fashioned face to face deal? <laughs> put it on the app store now. I do have to well, say this is my my early favorite for story of the year though. Yeah. This is this is definitely <laughs> amazing. But it's just like people just they have that idea. It's just it's funny to think sometimes when people start doing like stuff like this that they just don't always realize that this is like that you can get caught doing stuff like this like if you were if you know enough to make an app you would think that you also know enough about like concealing your identity in some you'd way. think yeah it's just it's very interesting though so yeah that's a lesson learned uh, just don't don't make iOS yeah. apps if you want to sell drugs through them uh, i think it looks like funnier everything. uh not only that but he advertised it in flyers on the campus oh, yeah. that's yeah, the yeah. best method. That's the other, that's the other, 
Mm -hmm. in like the app store the description is we have what you want it's like how inconspicuous is that (laughs) (laughs) like hello good morning fellas hello Um, hey what's up i just want to point out that like if you're selling drugs on the internet or not you are selling drugs like let's just remember that (laughs) yes the only different like you still have to take product and money and and transfer those it's like just because you made a friggin app doesn't change the fact that mm-hmm. you're, you're you're peddling drugs dude you're showing it's his intellect it makes it even worse for you honestly because yeah, there's, that's way, real. You there's way like... more information up yeah so yeah um amazing shit so yeah um <laughs> the next one here it was actually really interesting because we had i had put a thing in the uh good read Nope. And the oh no, um, to, try and, uh, to try and, and reduce the amount of like sort of like tunnel vision, or I guess they call it wormholes, um, that lead people to, to believing things like flat earth and like shit like that, like a real crazy conspiracy theories. Um, oh, yeah, and so this one here is uh, is I guess Epic Games and Disney actually pulled ads out of from YouTube, which those are pretty big companies mm-hmm. to pull out ads from YouTube. Um, after uh, they have their their ads appeared with you know videos that like pedophiles were sharing and and liking, mm-hmm. and there's quite a lot of that kind of content out there. We've seen it before. It's been all over the place, especially with those challenge videos. Um, actually, Hermit had found so many scary ones where like people like asking like uh, little kids to uh, to do like the the you know no feet tied to the bed challenge. It's like it's not a challenge. It's just like a fetish uh-huh. that you're just impress impressing on somebody and yeah. so um yeah so this uh, stuff, so that kind of content's been out there and it's like that people say all the time like what can you do about it there's like it, the stuff that people do is so subtle now that it's like very difficult to keep up with, with the pace but i guess this kind of thing where disney and uh people who make freaking Fortnite uh decide to pull out that's quite a big uh hit for them um and not probably- just Fortnite though <laughs> It's an insanely large oh, company. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, like the people who who do stuff that is active as of right now, like things that people care about, like when you say the Fortnite makers, yeah, or, or Epic Disney, boys. But it's um, but regardless though, it's still those are pretty big companies to be pulling out, and it definitely sends a message to YouTube to say, yo, like do something about this like creepy, creepy shit that's on here, because yeah, <laughs> we shouldn't have this. Yeah, yeah, actually, just get your shit together because yeah, no one like no business wants their uh, their name plastered all over a video like that. Yeah, yeah like you absolutely. don't want to like it's it, yeah, it's fucked up. So like yeah, so people like so YouTube's recommended algorithm um, facilitated pedophiles to connect with each other because they would be recommended the same videos. So they would just be able to you know communicate on those videos, even the most inconspicuous stupid little videos that have like three views mm-hmm. would just be used as those kind of communication channels you say oh you guys love this weird whatever the fuck video we're on like you must also be a pedophile if you have traveled this far into youtube yeah i, I actually watched a video on like this entire issue and apparently the right like the algorithm works so well you just hit like two or three of the recommended of this kind of like genre of gross shit um, and you immediately get down like the rabbit hole of just a lot of fucking weird, like uploaded kind of borderline CP videos. Yeah. Um, 
It's scary. Yeah, and there, we talked about, no, maybe it wasn't last week or the week before, but about how um, YouTube sees like conspiracy theory like videos as like really good because the engagement with them is so solid, right? And mm -hmm. as a platform, you're looking for engagement. Mm -hmm. And so it spreads those things because it thinks that's what, you know, the algorithm thinks that's what the ideal user should look like. And so you, a lot of times you get stuff pushed um, to other people because of it, like spreading because, you know, that audience has a high engagement, right? Yeah. Not good. So we know that like this particular issues with pedophiles, this one blew up because it's like a really heart wrenching issue. But if pedophiles can do it, who else could do it? Like maybe terrorists are doing this too. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, you never know what's out there. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think they could actually do to like stop it? Honestly, I feel like there should be an age restriction on on YouTube. Because um, what's happening is that these kids that are very young and don't know better are posting shit onto YouTube without being having any supervision and doing these challenges that like they don't actually understand. Their parents should monitor them for once. Like, yeah, I don't think it's YouTube's fault uh, per se, but there definitely should be like, I mean, their parents should be doing their. If they were, they would monitor what their parent or their children are posting online. I mean, with kids these days, you know. They would just fucking hide all the shit they're doing. Because the problem yeah. isn't with the kids necessarily themselves. They have like three views. But like one person sees it, that's a creepy asshole. They're going to download the video and re-upload it. And there's like these, in these like weird wormholes, they put timestamps of these kids in compromising positions and huge compilations. And they get a lot of fucking hits just by a bunch of creepy assholes. And yeah, it's, it's really easy to awful. say that parents should be like doing this. But it's like a lot of these parents have like, no idea how computers work right exactly. like, no, i'm definitely not blaming the parents the, you know? the computers work so it's like uh there needs to be you know there's no like real good solid answers of course or else you know it'd probably be implemented but yeah yeah any sort of verification like obviously youtube uh it will take away like a like a good percentage of their market so like it's, yeah for uh, sure the, the tightrope for them so the thing I mean, is, like, you got to be 13 years old or something already, right? The post on YouTube, and that's completely like trust the user sort of thing. I mean, couldn't they do like some sort of like AI thing that would like, um, if it detects like a minor or like you know an obvious minor in the video, that it could flag it for review? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, then it's like, oh, it's you know, family videos that someone's trying to send someone else. And... Yeah. Like bloggers and stuff would have issues with that. Yeah, mommy bloggers. Yeah. It's... I wonder if they could like map the rabbit holes in some kind of like a relational graph. Well, I, I mean, mean the recommendation can. Can does that, yeah. Yeah, the recommendations. But it's, you know, it's at some point like having to figure out what you need to uh, be actually looking for, like what kind of um, things. Because, yeah, the algorithm knows what to suggest people for like weird shit like we're into weird shit but it's like finding the, that weird shit and then you know following it from there out that's kind mm -hmm. of the the problem that needs to be solved yeah they, they've taken action already um like there's been a lot of accounts have been banned comments have been disabled on a lot of videos a lot of videos have been completely taken down and they're definitely trying it's not just like youtube doing some things in the past we're like yeah we're working on it they don't have to do anything um they're actually trying to do something about this thankfully so hopefully we actually see a change with this yeah that's good 
I'd definitely love to. Um, because yeah, it just gets out of control. It gets real scary real quick oh, yeah. when you realize that just little kids are just parked in front of the parked in front of there. Like they're just uploading videos sometimes. They upload videos that you think you're like, how did this even get on here? Because there's like a go live feature. Like you can just upload a video like just do you do with nothing, and it just yeah your house. Like who knows? Um, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the next story that we have on here is pretty funny. It's about yeah. Adobe patching the same uh, critical reader flaw twice in one week. So this one is a pretty badass uh, exploit here. So somebody had tried to fix an older vulnerability, bad PDF vulnerability. Um, and so they, uh, there was a way to take a malicious PDF and you could um, call back to a SMB and reveal an NTLM hash, like through, through Yikes. the PDF. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty crazy, um, but so which I'm like, how did this? How does how does the fucking parser? How does it get in there? What the fuck? How does this happen? Like how does yeah. this possibly? Happen? Regardless, regardless of how it happens, they tried to fix it. They, they released a patch, and then they somebody had, the same researcher had figured out how to bypass the patch again, and just <laughs> like cut around it. So they had to patch it twice, Jeez. and some third party people had also put out. Um, uh, their own patches. There's a buddy called Acros, which came up with their own patch for it that was issued in advance of an official fix, um, which hints that some people don't trust Adobe to do it effectively, which clearly they, they didn't this time. So, mm. yeah, that's it's pretty fucked up. Isn't that, a isn't that a reoccurring thing with Adobe? Like, they patch something and then somebody breaks it again, like, within, like, a couple of months? Yeah, yeah. For sure. I, would say that I feel like they don't take the effort to patch it like fully the first time they're cutting you off. Oh, I'm just saying it's it's definitely like it it it's one of those things where I can't even imagine what the actual code base looks like for mm -hmm. Adobe Reader or any other yeah, it's Adobe. Adobe. It's probably horrifying because Adobe PDF Reader. How long? How long has that been out? Like how how long has Acrobat oh. Reader been? Out? That's like decade, over, I think. well over twenty. Yeah, right easily. Now. There has to be like a really good lesson to learn if someone was to like review the entire history of the project with like internal knowledge. Yeah. Although, is this the CV that was patched um, where they like specifically used a value in the POC to patch it? Like Adobe did that. I'm fairly certain it was Adobe. <laughs> and they used a, a, a like specific value from the POC that was like not, not necessary to uh, exploit the vulnerability. And then they were just like, oh, whoops. I don't I know. Read it, but it sounds like uh, something that definitely probably could happen. Adobe just has a track record of uh, their security being a bit wobbly. Well, I mean, yeah. Also, you're talking like these are products. Like I said, the code base for a reader is just the download for reader itself is huge. And then you have like PDFs. And anytime you have anything that, uh, you know, of course, you can include how many fucking crazy different files in a PDF now. Yeah. And all the other weird shit. It's like anytime you have any parsers in general, uh, like that's like the huge attack vector. And then imagine like just with uh, with WinRAR, uh, like that thing, right? They have a whole bunch of these old um, file formats that no one's used in decade. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. But they're still in there, and they're still vulnerable. So 19 years. 
Yeah. Like, even no, like Adobe, apparently, Acrobat's been a thing for since 1993, since June 15th, 1993. That's a very old piece of software. Yeah. Yeah, I think also the complexity of uh, file types has changed as well. So anything that could have been embedded before. So say you embed like some CAD format that supported like that, that could have gone in in, you know, it could have been introduced a very long time ago. The formats changed over the years and it's like, why are, why does readers still insist on being able to uh, decode that? Why not yeah. just like cut it back to baseline PDF and be like, all right, we display PDFs and anything that is embedded can be opened in a like external application. Therefore, yeah. just like start ripping parts of the code back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like like it's a good like uh, like thought exercise too. It's like how long should you like should you ever like go back and just rewrite like a thing, or like you know what's yeah. the timeline for that? Because you know, is it easier to do that, or is it easier to just like kind of haphazardly start pulling things out? Well, yeah, I think it's com- like a bit of a combination. Like there's other there's other readers, I suppose, as well that. I mean, like, I don't know what engine Chrome uses, but I guess it's not Adobe's because it would be licensed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, Foxit Reader and stuff like that. But again, we've we've still seen vulnerabilities appear in all the alternative readers. Um, it's just, it's a difficult format to work with to begin with. So, when, like, what are we in uh, PDF version 5 mm-hmm. now, maybe? It's on most of the headers, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe like in version six, they just go, okay, just stop supporting all this shit. But I, I think I don't think they will. They want to make uh, Adobe want to remain an industry leader in uh, in document sharing and document creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. they want to be on the bleeding edge of everything, and that comes with its own risk. More complexity you add to a program, the more uh, uh, issues arise. Yeah, more surface, more vectors. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next uh, story that we have here is really bizarre. Um, so this is talks about Microsoft Edge letting Facebook run code behind users' back. Um, so this is 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 really strange. Basically, prior to this month, the secret there's a secret um, whitelist that allowed sites to be able to bypass Edge security features such as click to play that prevents websites from running flash without like a user saying they can. And so they, uh, there was a list of, of domains that were just whitelisted. And now currently only Facebook and apps.facebook.com are allowed to do this. But the, the list itself is insane here. I'll post this in the Twitch chat um, and voices voice because there's like a, there's like a hairdresser in Spain. Her website <laughs> is just whitelisted for some reason. <laughs> like there's just these, there's some real weird looking websites. Like like steer.61.com. Like what website is that? Yeah. Or there's one of them that was dilly dilly dot wang. I didn't even know is dot wang even a TL. Pop Tropica. Yeah. So I'm wondering then uh if this has if this is based on uh the security zone settings where different in uh, different domains can be assigned different zones and therefore allow different uh, privileges like is i mean i'm not huge i haven't i don't use ie i haven't looked at ie for like ever but 
um like for example localhost would be a different zone and have different permissions and i mean that was yeah. used with like iframes and stuff to uh in various point to own bugs that like have come out so um i'm wondering if this is just like okay so you can do you can have these separate zone like uh, is it part of the zone engine or is it something else and if it's something else can you uh use it to um you know, are there dns rebinding attacks are there dns cache poisoning attacks and stuff you can do uh to get things to work yeah because for sure like I would say a good half of these sites are probably vulnerable as as fuck because yeah. 4399.com <laughs> and <laughs> worldsurfleague.com totaljerkface.com you know not exactly yeah. industry leaders <laughs> even facebook though like it's you know you can you can cache uh, a cache poison dns locally and then like now your facebook.com facebook doesn't work or you reverse, you know, whatever, like whatever method you want to use, you know. Mm -hmm. So, it's what, I, what, just the fact that a list. Like, why would they even implement this? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's such a strange, haphazard way to do something like this. Yeah. I, just, I don't know how, I'd, I'd love to know how this list was created. Like, also, I wonder how this... it's worth noting that it was actually hidden behind, it, like, everything was all hashed. So they yeah. obviously meant they they were literally trying to hide it. So well, maybe they're trying to hide it from attackers and and whatever. But like the actual domains that were in use. But I think what's really interesting is how did the Spanish hairdresser know to apply to get uh, Yeah. Like uh, were there is there like some like MSDN like paywall thing where it's like if you need to use Flash yeah sign up here and then tell me where that is and so i can oops, research I mean, for we, could, we, like, we could even go like crazy spy shit with it and like it could have been like whitelist so like like intelligence agencies could like basically just inject flash into like whatever the hell they wanted to to go after users yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's totally a thing that could be a, a thing it's just yeah. it's weird because it's like when I think about this, I'm like, well, why wasn't I on that list? Why wasn't thugcrowd.com on that list? <laughs> How could we have possibly gotten there? What, was the, what would be the path? It'd be um, interesting to like, go back in old versions of Edge and see if this list has changed over time, too. Yeah. I was going to no. speculate if it went to um, like when the Windows apps launched and they expected that people wouldn't just install desktop apps. Maybe some of those people ponied up to have their app early in the store. Mm. I don't know. It's, these are some weird domains. Like, what is 61.com? Like, I don't even want to go. I, I'd love to. I'm going to go to these later. <laughs> but They're weird uh, domains here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next one here um, is pretty interesting, too. Kind of a uh, big claim for the uh article title but it says that k2 claimed the victory over zero day attacks hold on my page is being very slow now oh they shut I off mean, their computers like upload <laughs> <laughs> so, the cable what they're it's something that it, you've seen different examples of similar things in the past whether it be like different sort of syscall monitors or things like that that actually look at 
the actual execution flow of or not execution flow, but the the syscalls that are being made like at real in real time um, to be able to monitor aberrations. But they are talking about optimized control flow integrity, which is basically preventing malware from changing the execution of an app um, because it is able to monitor and and figure out how an app is supposed to actually be run. And this seems so like something that is insanely difficult to actually implement properly without having a whole other equally sized and scaled computer system to uh, manage it. But yeah. And what if the malware gained like control over that? Yeah, like mm-hmm. who's who's watching the watchers, you know? Like who's actually <laughs> who's who's optimizing the control flow integrity of the of the control flow integrity optimizer? Like who I don't know. Oh, like well at so this is like not at compile time though, because if you think at compile time, if you do like static analysis and you build the AST and you export the AST and then you're like, okay, and then you compare to runtime, like what, you know, uh, what areas of, uh, I guess, like are most likely hit during regular operation, like what does that normal operation look like? Like if there's a chunk in the AST that is known to be dead code and somehow it gets executed. I mean, this isn't, there's plenty of ways to like make code look dead. Um, Jump tables and stuff, I think is a pretty common way to do it. But you, yeah, like, I mean, there's like doing that kind of thing is being looked at plenty of times. And I just Mm -hmm. don't, this is like a crazy thing that I this is like the unhackable thing right you know yeah, yeah exactly it's, it's in, in the long and short of it is yes it's saying that this is the answer to zero day attacks yeah that, like that no <laughs> it, it sounds like bullshit right complete bullshit yeah okay Even cool with, like, <laughs> you, like GR second packs and all that stuff you know that the idea is that it'll it'll prevent unknown attacks that's that's the plan but right. with like Plenty of times we've seen that there's like with uh, wrap the the rock chain protection. I'm fairly certain, like I can't, I haven't verified this, but I've been told there's like an article in Frack from a long time ago that that tech not that that technique still bypasses like the rock chain protection in in GRSec today. Jeez, that's that's someone needs to uh, verify that for me, but I'm, I'm fairly <laughs> fairly certain that's the case. Plus, this yeah. is like antivirus plus plus. So, <laughs> look at the fucking dumpster fire that antivirus is now. Mm. If, if this was possible to perform something similar to what was described in a lab environment, like, there's no way in hell it's going to scale. It's not going to be practical in yeah. any sense. Especially yeah, with no, runtime only, right? Like if, yeah. if, it only, if it only interacts with the set applications at runtime, it just can never. I don't, it's a, it's a, yeah, it can't happen. Can't yeah, I, just, I, I feel like with, with what it is saying for, it's an execution map for each application. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to see, I'd love to talk to some of the people who are involved in this to have them understand. So if you guys are listening in some way, uh, please uh, hit us up on Twitter at Thug Crowd because I definitely want to know what they're trying to actually do. But yeah, regardless though, I mean, I feel like it could be, we could be missing a huge point or this could be a bunch of snake oil, which I think is, is so yeah, about the case. Yeah, that's what we're <laughs> the case. But I guess uh, we'll see. It's on ZDNet though, so who knows? 
But um, there's also a um, there's a, a, an interesting line here. This prevents lateral movement of malware in hybrid cloud IT environments. Buzzwords. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, seriously. Like prevents lateral movement. So like, like I don't know. It just that's a very very like. I just want to like. All right. So like lateral movement. Like let's everybody thinks like. In a network scenario, like moving between boxes that are adjacent, or in a mm-hmm. in a applica- like in a system scenario, moving between like applications or users that are adjacent, like but nobody think nobody everybody seems to forget that horizontal movement totally freaking exists still. So you just like you can just go up and then go back down. Like you don't have it does. It's not always like directly horizontally moving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's definitely like asymmetrical. Usually, if you're trying to figure out what the next step is to be, uh, if there's no main controller, you can just uh, pop real quick. Then it's yeah. But it yeah, yeah it, it seems like uh, yeah, it just seems like it's trying to answer a lot of questions at once and, and make people feel safe. But it yeah, I don't know. I'm still very sketched out by. It. I mean, just skimming um, it, it kind of looks like it's dealing with trust zones. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, there's never been an exploit for trust zones. Like, really, like. Come on. No, hold on one second. My mm-hmm. what's happening? <laughs> oh my god, what's happening to you? There's some cyber well, some cyber stuff. I was like, that holy sound. shit. That's the fun that was kicks. Got intense. Um I'm turning it turning my, my thing off. Yeah, the stupid ads are playing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I love you... I love that it is just saying if anybody tells you something is fucking future proof, just slap them in the head. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> nothing is ever going to be you yeah. can't predict. What hasn't happened yet? It's never gonna happen. Real time detection of zero day attack. But how That's much not is even like, a thing? Yeah, like how much does it? How much can you sell a zero day for? So like Zerodium, they've updated their prices. Like there was that post updated their prices recently, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna sell a like if you if you're selling a bug for X amount of money, someone is buying it for more because the company has to make profit that like brokers it, right? Mm-hmm. So if zero days are really worth that much money, like why do you need to spend all this money to pr- to protect yourself against zero days when you haven't updated your passwords? Like admin, yeah. admin, root, root, like the same keys <laughs> shared between 45 users. No one has 2FA, but yeah. you got to protect against zero day attacks, you know? Yeah. Only on hackable computers, a computer that's turned off. <laughs> And disconnected because you can wake on land. Yeah, we I <laughs> <laughs> How to turn on turned off computers and own them at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, it says they filed for patents, so it'd be interesting to read some of these patents. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. also patents for the uh, cures for cancer and cures for AIDS, but oh, uh, yeah. it doesn't mean for sure. Just to see like what they what they wrote down about yeah, what they're claiming. Yeah. What exactly and how exactly it might work? Yeah, I think control Broken flow down. has been Im- implemented for some time. Yeah. I couldn't say for when, but uh, regular control flow uh, inspections not not very new at all. Yeah, no, it's just definitely combining a lot of stuff and just being being a big buzzword. And uh, but they, they didn't say scale or highly available. Or any of the uh, big cloud buzzwords, so don't yeah. trust them exactly. And there was no mention of blockchain, so I think that, uh, um, <laughs> that reduces their credibility by I think ninety percent. So yeah, true, true. Talk to their marketing team. 
I'll just tweet at them right now. Yeah. I noticed you failed to mention blockchain in your advert, and <laughs> you should do that, dude. Do they use chain Linux? Cool thing you can do to a marketing person. Yeah. <laughs> and you know they'll you put it in and be like, "Fuck, he's right." Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I just linked one of the patents. They just seem to have transferred to themselves on some some antivirus stuff. Ooh. Did you guys ever see that like corny commercial for IBM's incident response team shit? No. Oh my god, it is fucking gold, man. (laughs) It is so fucking good. I wish I could find it right now. It's no, that's a great marketing thing. Yeah, dude, they're talking about like a network getting hacked. They're like, all right, trace route that IP, Brenda. So fucking funny, dude. And the, the guy like does like this snap clap thing. He's like, snap clap, Brenda. I need you to trace route that IP. Oh man, I need a Visual Basic GUI to track this kill. Yeah, oh, stop. No, fucking love it. That's so, what they do. Yo, um, speaking of Visual Basic, let's talk about this uh, baby shark malware. That is targeting um, some national security think tanks in America, and so this is pretty. I mean, it's definitely pretty uh, common now, which sucks. But this is uh, just a little write-up about um, some <clears throat> Excel documents that are being sent to aren't charges for national security stuff uh, regarding nuclear nuclear safety and things like that um, with some uh, new strains of malware that. Uh, are being hidden inside pictures of nuclear sites. <laughs> it's like so scary. Um, I always, I always love when uh, you know the U.S. government gets uh, owned by you know malware with meme names. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Also, we got baby shark again. Like, can you see these payloads? This is like, why are you opening documents like this? Yeah. Yeah. No, they're... This is like very, like, just, it's a mix of old and new kind of... But, um, no, it's just, uh, I put it on there because it's interesting just to see that there was a new strain of something. But it seems like if you look at the the timeline they're all like doc m and then x uh xlam which are the are the templates right i don't know i don't use all this thanks i like how yeah. it just the first thing it does issue who am i it's like well hmm. oh boy someone's gonna pick up on that real quick <laughs> <laughs> like that's totally legit for an excel spreadsheet to do that yeah, <laughs> it's like Jim. Why did that black command prompt just pop up? I'm opening Excel, you idiot. That's why. <laughs> Jesus. It's also interesting yeah. though that they're um using. I mean, it, this assumes that they're all using desktop Office as well. We're like yeah. desktop Microsoft Office on Windows. Like it doesn't. There's a lot of assumptions made, I guess, with this with this stuff as well. They probably all got like Office 2003. Like places yeah. like that, dude, big ass networks, there's always like really shitty stuff about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's cool though that they're using a uh, Sir Util to uh, 
do HTTP stuff. <laughs> so shout out to the lol bins. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say, cert bot? No, they're using cert util oh. um, to uh, download and uh, oh, post payloads, post content. Yeah, good. Probably because that that's going to be whitelisted. So, yeah. Is that the assumption? <clears throat> hmm? Is that is that like part of LOL bins or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unintended, um, like not unintended functionality, but unexpected functionality. Yeah, when I found out about Cert Util, I was like, damn, I don't have to write a wget visual basic script every time I'm going to download a file on some new. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. um, this next uh, story that we have here is pretty cool too. Um, it's kind of, there's a couple of things that it's based off of, but there's, I guess, newer updates to the way that web workers did stuff. Um, so now there's a new uh, browser API called Service Workers um, that people have figured out a way to make a giant botnet out of browsers for everything from uh, in-browser crypto mining to DDoS to file hosting, you name it. Um, and so they're doing it basically by uh, having backgrounded sockets and workers um, in a browser that are completely transparent to you unless you're monitoring your network um, to be able to send data. Well, I just looked at something. There's somebody's name on Discord. Is this long, long string? Sorry. It's it freaked name. me out for a second. I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh... every time I see something weird happening in Discord, I get spooked. So, um, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! This is an Electron app. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's the same problem that we're talking about here. Like the the service workers, like just because it's happening in the browser, definitely doesn't mean it's not going to happen in your Electron. Like, how many threads does Discord <laughs> use when you open? Just look, just like htop that shit. Like, search for Discord and you'll see. Like, you put it in tree. And there's just a bunch of stuff that you don't know what it is. Every time you launch discord it's like you're walking into a room full of midgets swinging their arms around and you're just like gonna get hit in the nuts eventually you know it but you still do it anyways because you got to go to the bathroom that's, a pretty... that's the way yeah, i think of it description yeah discord security team doesn't even know like the product they're using Yeah, so but I think with um with the browser service workers, I guess it was kind of a matter of time where they started implementing um uh, extensions that were that run in the background all the time from you know the time your PC boots for a lot of uh, OSs, everything except Linux. I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not sure if the the package installs uh, a startup script at all, like systemd or whatever or. Yeah, but uh, on Mac and Windows, at least, your extensions are starting at boot time, at login, I guess. So Yeah, which is spooky, real spooky. Yeah. So if, with, yeah, once you can get a background process, it's like absolutely invisible to the user. And if you think um, back to the days of toolbars, <laughs> NIE, you know, you'd see those people who just had like 50 toolbars, like half of the screen is toolbars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Yahoo search, Alta Vista search, like, everything else like shop now buy now like all those things it's literally the same thing except less visible you don't look at someone's computer and see oh they have 60 toolbars they but if you click on like the little hamburger menu or whatever it is in uh in chrome there's like 45 things that don't have icons so 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can look in developers mode for those. Yeah, you can uh yeah, Chrome uh Chrome colon slash slash extension. Mm. Yeah. You, uh, the URI is bullshit in Discord. <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah oh i love this one too this is definitely a uh, one of those like scare of the day kind of things um but hackers can slip invisible malware into bare metal cloud computers and so this is something that we've talked about before um in our cloud security uh podcast episode i forget which episode it was but it was an early one um we talked about all the different ways that people could play uh with your your VPSs and the VPSs that are nearby. Um, and so they describe an attack on IBM servers where they're able to make changes to the hypervisor firmware um, that would can persist even after their, you know, their, their provision to somebody else. Um, so yeah, this is definitely something that just, just a reminder that anything that's on a cloud necessarily or it's just some random virtual machine somewhere in some data center that gets migrated back and forth. Um, I, th I think this is not really specific to hypervisors either, though, because it's talking about uh, through the like BMC booting. Yeah. So B BMCs are just an SOC that's attached to your um, uh, attached to your motherboard and has an interface uh, over SPI or whatever to do different tasks like turn on, like start up, shut down, um, mount mm -hmm. virtual, like mount virtual um, disk image, um, you know, set uh, other parameters of the BIOS, like the where you're booting from, redirecting the console, like all kinds of things. So Yeah, and those will use key derivation yeah, I mean, there's yeah, it's been a while now. Yeah, it's reminding that there's a lot of stuff that will persist, like that sits above everything else that uh, will persist, like no matter how you want to try to wipe your stuff. I don't so, know if you remember uh, the BSD backdoor chaos. Like it was pretty much the same. It was abusing gels to evade. weren't wiping disks after shutdown. They just boot up living of land, of land. When you're gonna reinstall your computer, it's gonna make it worse. Oh, um. I'm just gonna switch voice yeah. to US. We might be good now, actually. That's what I was saying earlier. Oh, just kidding. No, I'm what up with your net for real? Uh, no, it's being streamed from the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, I'm looking at it. Uh, hold on. Brought to you by the power of the yeah. cloud. So we are, uh, it's saying that I'm streaming. I'm like looking at it right now. The stream health is, is fine. It was red for a second, but I don't know what this could be. It's been, it's streaming, it's working. There's no like I think other issues. Now. Uh, yeah, it appears that. Uh... So, uh, yeah, so I mean, back to the, the top of your hand. With BMC, though, if you were able to mount a malicious uh, virtual image or whatever, you could, and at boot time, um, you could definitely poison things like cloud in it and, and other stuff as well. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of weird stuff. I guess you, you've looked a little bit at like uh, the hypervisor. 
uh, hypervisors specifically, like, is there anything that you could, you think you know, off the top of your head that you could just, uh, uh, manipulate when it comes to like a, a Linux image or something? Wait, either you. Hey, sorry. I just, uh, I just dropped off for a second. They were saying I'm choppy. Yeah, sorry guys. This yeah. is <laughs> technical difficulties as usual. Um, <laughs> you, uh, back up for one second because I couldn't hear you at all. So I was just gonna, I was gonna say, uh, I was just asking you if um, there's anything you can think like when you're, if you have control over a hypervisor at a lower level, can you um, like manipulate, say, the kernel args or something like that? Uh, is I mean, it would depend on what they're actually using, and a lot of them are going to be very specific to what people are, or what the different data centers are using. I know that AWS uses like a Zen, and they have some of their own custom stuff. I mean, it all just depends on what your what the actual architecture is that you're deploying for. Because I mean, if there's, I don't doubt that anyone's using like VMware, you know, for like a, <laughs> a major uh, uh, a major provider. But if you're able to um, do anything with the the actual hypervisor and manipulates or do anything that is going to be persistent, then you could do tons of weird stuff. You could change network things. You could do also you could load keyboard, a keyboard capture for the passwords on mount. You can yeah, change you can, the SSH key. Yeah, you could, you well, could throw in uh, some, you know, malicious drivers, um, hardware drivers too, like storage drivers. Like you could drop a storage, uh, a persistent storage driver backdoor. Then yeah, usually. Yeah. This is assuming like root on DOM zero though, right? So like, yeah. How do you like? So if you have from BMC to that jump to root on DOM zero, I guess is uh, like doing it without having without actually having root on DOM zero, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. There's tons, there's tons of stuff. A lot of it is application specific, and I would definitely um, think about what you're. What I mean, I'm more curious now too um, of what kind of actual hardware your um, your hosting provider actually uses. Yeah, well, there was a big thing about the super when the super micro thing came out, and Google was saying that uh, they were using them, and they were, I, I, if I recall correctly, and they were. Um, flashing them with the latest firmware, the Ethernet and the BMC, like as soon as, uh, and the BIOS, obviously when they first got the board. Um, and the, But then they were racked up forever, basically. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a thing that needs, a, like, I'm sure there's plenty of research to be done into BMC and other things. We saw those CVs about three weeks ago that were uh, crossing from the BMC to the OS as well. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's more of it coming down the pipe. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh yeah, sorry. Sorry for distracting you. I'm trying to appear oh. at normal levels now here. Um. Sorry to everybody for dropping off there. Um. <clears throat> so the next uh article that we have on here is um pretty interesting. It's there's been tons of different things similar to this that have come out, but this is severe vulnerabilities. Uh, so we always tell people, you know, get a password manager, um, figure out some other way besides just uh, putting a sticky note on your uh, monitor. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that is, is hard for password managers, it seems, is to have any data that is in transit or at rest be uh, uh, just able or they are storing stuff in in weird ways that are that data is unencrypted 
Sorry, I have to backtrack on that whole thing. I was reading another thing while I was trying to say that. Um, yeah. But yeah, people have been able to pull your plaintext password out of um, out of RAM on a bunch of different um, password managers, which leads you know if you have any other malware on your machine, um, if it can access memory anyway. Uh, yeah, that is a thing. I mean, is debugger attached? Of course not. Um, but I, I guess it's at some point you need to have a clear text password that the user pastes, right? That's that's the UX of the password manager is that, you know, there's, there's a copy paste password somewhere. Mm -hmm. right. Security versus convenience. Yeah, well, the, you can always use like stag and picture key file. You can I mean, use a YubiKey. There's a lot of way to access your password manager. Yeah, there's sure. You way, can... But if you're already on to the point where like this is happening, like well, yeah, for this scenario that can happen, like it's like yeah, you're, you're already sort of too late. You're not like your password manager isn't going to save you if you're already owned. <laughs> like, yeah, if right, someone's yeah, like, on your box, it's game over. <laughs> so <laughs> like, if you keep the key, if you keep the key around your neck, oh, sorry, dude. Dude, he's bad at you. He's like, fuck you. I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> All right, cool. so if you have a Yubi key around your neck, right, and you keep it so secure and blah, 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 but then you like unlock your password um, with the Yubi key, like using HTTP and like also a passphrase and like everything else, eventually at some point you're going to copy paste it, right? Mm, yeah. Well, because I, I'm talking about a normal it. user, like not like a, a not like. User, yeah. You will copy it. It is, it is clipboard probably won't be encrypted and nothing, so it's going to be in plain text and memories. Yeah, and that's the that's the key. Like even um, you know, pasting into the browser with XSS, like there's plenty of times we've seen as well. Like XSS just like reads input fields like on on key down or on paste or like on whatever. Yeah, you got to load the GS on the website can grab what you paste and everything that's true. yeah so i mean that's not a specific attack against password managers just the mechanism of using it and of course like the thing that we've seen as well is people disabling like copy paste on passwords and like uh login pages like definitely that's that's also the incorrect that is that is the opposite of correct but the it most might annoying be... shit ever sorry it's just kind of a, a worth thought of like for the average user, it's still worth using a password manager. You shouldn't oh, yeah. not use one because of this. So, yeah, definitely. That's just like saying, oh, SSL was vulnerable like a couple of years ago with Airbleed. Don't use SSL. Yeah. Well, yeah it's the same thing. Bad. Am I the only one in here that actually just copies and pastes passwords? Like, the text document. Yeah, dude, I don't, for a long like, time. Well, from my password manager, I'll hit the little copy button and then I'll paste it. I don't give a fuck. I keep it in my clipboard fucking <laughs> two for days. Hey, I'm Chris, not, did you ever like that? I mean, I'm not dealing with fucking nuclear launch <laughs> codes here. I'm just fucking <laughs> signing into my AOL email. That's because <laughs> of your fucking fingers. <laughs> I mean, most of these attacks are uh, um, local, like... Uh, once you have already compromised the machine, from what I can tell, just with the data rest sort of thing. Right. So right, it's not right, like right. you're going to be hacked externally. So a password manager is still definitely um, 
I think very, very real possibility to use. And also like threat models are something to think about with this kind of shit. Like Cray's Cray's threat model isn't, you know, like like he was saying, nuclear launch code. Yeah. yeah. I don't give a fuck. Like you oh shit, my <laughs> AOL email is gone. Fuck. Yeah. At the same let's time. Sorry. I was just gonna say let's just remember that um a couple of years ago the launch codes for the nuclear arsenal in the US was like six zeros. That's Cray's yeah. fault. Yeah. No one will ever. No Me one will ever think of that. manager. It was. <laughs> but, um, I don't, it's like nuclear launch codes aren't in a password manager, though. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're not we storing them in, in these like these cloud-based <laughs> cloud-based password managers for new codes. You know, it's an entirely different <laughs> model altogether, right? Do you, guys use, do you guys use password managers? Uh, I, I do personally. Yeah. What's your preference? Uh, I, I usually gonna use multiple and probably gonna hide my 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 password to access it in a JPEG file in a folder that got thousand of other JPEG files with random data on it. I would say uh, <laughs> I don't do uh, all I would that. say for users for other users that LastPass or OnePass are probably the way. Right, LastPass is real good. I like yeah, that's what I use. For business, it's really good. I like how you can share and shit like that. I've mm. been so I've been uh, checking out Bitwarden. Anybody tried that? I have not. Yeah. You might want to check that out, boys. It's pretty, pretty decent. Bit one. I use the blockchain. Bitwarden. Bitwarden. Yeah, you just upload all your passwords and <laughs> to the blockchain. No, you can spin up. You can spin up your own instance. You can self-host and shit. Y'all early oh. talking about Blockstack every fucking week, and basically with Devolution uh, Company, we did work on a blockchain-based password manager, which would re- re- ah, require the person to have the your wallet to open the password manager. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to, to slice it, but regardless, there are still. Uh, definitely implementation things that can be worked out it's getting popular dude. <laughs> i would like to uh i'll just I just want to quickly say on this article there is a c also key takeaways from damning uk report on facebook's world of digital gangsters uh yes. shout out dg that's <laughs> not the real dg, <laughs> shout out DG. <laughs> um, well, the next uh, the next thing has to do with passwords as well. Um, this is about trying to implement a seamless uh, passwordless experience for Android phones uh, through Google. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was reading this, and I don't really know too much about the different um, like authentication standards that people uh, use, like Authy things like that. But um, yeah, it seemed interesting though. I guess to try to do a sort of just seamless application but at the same time that just makes it easier for people to be able to just take your phone or your computer and yeah. uh, just well, kind of do anything this does is, is include say uh, you use authenticating using like a hardware dongle like a YubiKey as well and so a YubiKey supports um, for example uh, t- I guess it's TOTP and HOTP I'm pretty sure both of those two um, as on one of the partitions of the YubiKey. Um, to break down TOTP hella quick, there's like a secret 
a seed and that's with uh google authenticator i'm pretty sure that's it's unencrypted within the sandbox of the application um and then that's uh then there's a the time it was created and then there's the the window size and so you have uh basically you start you use the the two values of the time it was created in the seed and then the current time um and then the delta divided by the steps and then that will give you the iteration of that otp does that make yeah. sense so that's a tldr of like what times one time passwords i guess so i guess um if you figure out that seed, the the idea of the hardware token is that the seed is uh, is stored on a, something that you can't get it off. But you can also have YubiKeys that are unlocked and override them and do all kinds of weird shit. Configurations still exist, guys. Yeah, the one thing about like a lot of this, right, is that I feel like um, if a user does get owned or like it's, something does get owned, like um, if there's like there's always gonna be a thing with like users changing their passwords and like how do you like I don't know if you get owned like with this kind of whatever Android wants to implement it's like how do you alert users to change their passwords and like what's that process look like yeah. right there's so much like built around passwords and like uh, that people kind of understand like um, getting people to understand the system itself and this like how to be use it properly. Um, and how to like roll it is uh, real important. And so it'll be yeah. interesting to see how that's going to work. So has anybody heard of Steve Gibson's squirrel project? Mm -mm. Like the password list project? That's similar to the topic. That's why I said it. <laughs> that's really all I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was going to carry on. I was hoping you guys would pick it up from there. <laughs> Conversation I do wars. Potato. I do wars. So, <laughs> uh, but with I guess um, with like uh, biometric authentication on these things, so I think it's LastPass that has uh, Face ID integration, um, so that you don't need to uh, like on on iOS, so that you don't need to enter your unlock key because it's it's vaulted already by your uh, by iOS. Um, but then that's like you pick up like again i think i've talked about this before like picking up people's phones and showing it to them and they look at you really confused like why are you showing me my phone and then it unlocks like the password oh shit that kind of thing. yeah that that so, was not my threat model dude Fuck. <laughs> but it's, there is a duress mode there is a, like a duress thing where like if yeah, you look like you're under duress it's supposed to like not unlock but i i've never had that like we tried a couple times didn't didn't quite work. Yeah, but the, uh, the natural look is like, what the fuck? You know? Why are you showing me my phone? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. Why do you have my phone and why am I looking at it? I'm like, thanks. You're just like, so Siri, it's... no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we should, um, we don't have the last story here. It's real quick um, before we get into our main topic of the day. Um, this one is awesome. This is the Samsung Galaxy S10. We'll have McAfee pre-installed for oh, malware anti-malware yeah. protection. Uh, oh, this article is hilarious God. though, because it came from XCA developers who are like the form is like the authority on Android stuff. And mm. they're just like, curiously, McAfee's press release does not provide any information on how its anti-malware protection helps out on an Android device. There is there's so many different ways to do malware. 
or on an Android that it's it's not going to be some one stop thing the way that like you know McAfee antivirus could have been. There's a lot of uh, especially with like app permissions, um, you know, random app permissions. I mean, people give the permission to the apps out the time, um, you know, being able to audit all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, that's a it's a different kind of. Um, definitely interesting though uh, to see how that'll be implemented. Also, McAfee. But antivirus has also been um, the vector for attacking devices as well because mm -hmm. it's the level of uh, access it has to the systems. It could come out, you know, if there's a really good McAfee Android bug and you have it, hold on to it right now. Like, sell it in a couple of months. Like, it's, uh, yeah. it's going to be huge. Oh yeah, um, but all right. Let's um, jump into our main topic here. And shout out also, we have a lot of people in the chat today that aren't normally in here. So um, greets to you, uh, Fibonacci curls, uh, Iyer, uh, Noah, Saini. Oh, Saini's in here. Uh, Sparkle Ops. Um, shout out to Industrial. <laughs> Industrial, yo, what's up? You're in the chat. Um, I saw that the, the planet has officially been hacked. We can all go home now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um the hell yeah glad that uh a lot of cool people in here right now so yeah we're going to be talking tonight about something that we get I, I would say we personally probably get asked questions about this more than most people do and have had to deal with some pretty bizarre and oftentimes real scary situations and so we're going to be talking tonight personal DFIR or digital uh, forensics incident response uh, basically what to do if you get hacked um, there's tons of different things I had actually put out a little list of of just general ideas that we can kind of discuss on because it's pretty broad but I would also love for anybody in the chat if you have any questions for us um, about specific things um, that might may or may not happen um, you know you can totally ask us and we'll try to uh, try to get into it um and answer it together um so though i mean does anybody have any preference of a thing that they're mo most interested on on like how to sort of respond to some of the situations that we've listed there hold on so i got a question right sure has everyone in here been owned yes at one time or another yep i feel like it's the same nope. yep dude I remember the first time for me, I fucking got sub seven. It was the first time I went on. Fucking, <laughs> I, I opened up Merc. I went in there. <laughs> fucking, I saw all these windows pop up. It's like you've just been thinking. And I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck is happening? Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> and then fucking my screen flips upside down. My CD tray. <laughs> and I was like trying to you fix lost my computer. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I was trying to fix my computer before my mom came home to beat my ass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, I I was actually just helping someone with this uh, earlier this week. Uh, I think it's worth noting, like, a good starting place, I guess, is, like, you want to always start with, like, whatever controls the most, right? It's, like, your phone, make sure all your phone stuff, and then your email, and like work your way down for whatever is uh, mm -hmm. like it's, that's worth pointing out. Like as a, mm -hmm. like a starting place, like yeah. where you start with that. I mean, yeah. there's a really good thing you can do as well uh, proactively before you get owned, which helps. But you can do it also after you get owned, 
uh, which is less good, but start minimizing like, like stuff you don't need. Like if you have, um, like vulnerable devices that, you know, that, right. Okay. So my, say my iCloud gets wrecked, right. And you can remote wipe device on my iClouds that all my iCloud devices, like turn them the fuck off right now. Like yeah. if you're not, if you don't need that iPad, you turn it off. You just, mm-hmm. you know, if anything you can pull the, the pin on that is absolutely not necessary to operate or recover from then go into lockdown right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like everybody has a good idea of what their, their sort of like pain points are. Cause like we have a lot of things where we all have like callbacks to, you know, recovery emails, recovery phone numbers and all that stuff. And, and it's like, they tend to reside on a couple of devices, you know, or even one device. And those kind of things are yeah, definitely the first thing to lock down to just make sure like at the very least I can do my recovery through my phone, you know, or if your phone gets owned, be like, okay, so at least I can get into my, you know, main recovery email through my computer. Trying to map out those kind of things is definitely big. But when it comes to something like I see that if we were to do specific types of getting owned, let's I guess we can start off with the, the first few on this list here. Are can, can, I just, can I just start before before we get into the list? I think sure. um, I, I kind of treat getting owned with the same way as your house catching on fire. Um, yeah. always, always have backups, offsite backups, everything mm-hmm. backup weekly, backup monthly. Um, so then if there does happen to be a fire or you do get owned, the recovery process is probably going to be the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you get owned by fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate that fire O'Day called candles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also worth noting that if you're like at risk, like you could do things like uh call your like actual cell provider. Um mm-hmm. and there's that kind of stuff to make sure like to minimize the amount uh of like your attack surface if you're in a yeah. situation like where something could could happen to you in the near future or if you see something coming etc etc yeah even with that as well though there's uh if you call your isp up and uh you tell them you know like this is a case that that i've heard just in like uh breakups and things like that when people live together they're like it's that they have their name on the account Mm -hmm. so they ring up the isp or they ring up the electricity and they just like get it shut off right um because they're an authorized party uh, you can ring up and say like before any um, any actions are taken on this account, you need to verify my identity with this extra step, and they'll just type it in the notes on your account. It's not like an a huge like encrypted thing that they're gonna like step you down and biometric you or anything, but they will just say like oh, and I'd also say like you know hopefully the person you're speaking to will will ask the extra question, whatever. Yeah. So that's what I was just gonna say. Like I. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that because it's like a step you can take, but dude, honestly, these people are making like fucking nine bucks an hour. They fucking right. hate their job, getting yelled at by customers all fucking day. If you just like bullshit on the phone with one for like 10 minutes, they're like, yeah, dude, whatever. I'll shut it off. No problem. You know? Yeah, yeah but it's better than it not being there. Yeah. yeah, no, it's still a step that you can take, but... It's like a lot of people who are at risk for being swatted, like streamers and whatnot, will call their actual like police department and be like, "Hey, by the way, like uh, there's this dumb shit people do. 
and like I didn't kill anyone. I'm not going to kill anyone in the near future. So, uh, you know, has anyone ever been swatted? <laughs> I have, dude, like fucking four That's times. Why? Yeah, what dude, the dude. fuck? You've been so unlucky. <laughs> yeah, dude. dude. Honestly, I mean, I wish I could share the stories, but there's a lot to it. But yeah, dude. We're on a public channel right now. It's not. It's yeah. not fun. Dude. Yeah, we own. Sw- dude, I remember fucking. I was sitting out in my fucking hallway, right, in my fucking boxes, and like the two fucking most like hottest chicks I've ever seen in my life came downstairs. And it was cold out as well. You know what I mean? I wasn't at my best, if you get my drift. So it was just fucking <laughs> horrible, dude. <laughs> and then the nice. cop was just like, yeah, just just sit there. I'm like, oh, fuck you, cop. Like, you know, he was a dude. He could have been like, do the honorable thing. Like, dude, you know, get up, go inside, you know, put a sock in there or something. You know, make it. But whatever. Broke With swatting in it's not quite um the response is not the same so in yeah. tasmania for example there was an actual shootout with police that lasted for four days um re- like a couple of months i can't imagine a shootout with police lasting more than four minutes in the u.s so yeah yeah, no, yeah right <laughs> you know you know what i think too i think that a lot of um like if you get oh I think it's kind of because you were you had that coming to you you did some like there was some comma in that because like people who are just like you know going about their everyday lives they're not getting randomly you know what I mean, I mean? Well, there are like, cases of people being owned for just being girls on the internet you know what I mean yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. You get told yeah. yeah playing Call of Duty one v one me Rust scrub. <laughs> Um, so let's sort of get into some of this, this stuff though. Um, as far as like, Shell, in response to what you were saying about, um, like just being a girl on the internet, like getting, getting harassed and getting doxxed, right. And then get identity, like some form of identity theft, whether it be, um, you know, somebody's able to hijack your PayPal or your bank or get into like your ISP um, thing and, and controlling that kind of thing. Like, what are some of the things that you can do? We talk about some of the prevention. Mm, your shit is fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really bad. Like, I thought it was just me. I, was like, no, I, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> oh, dude, you, it's so bad. Please stop that. Hold on. Basically, how, like, what are some things that we could do to like prevent this from happening? In the first I, I think he means more recovery when it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Hello? dude, there's am I, really. Am I okay? Am I good? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm better now, yeah. Okay. Cool. Sorry. Um, I'm just saying that. So, if you are somebody who did oh, not shit. expect, wait, what? Okay. I think you're yeah, fucking up again, dude. Okay. Yeah, good. Just keep going. Um, if you are somebody who doesn't expect to be you know, dog store swatted or anything like that. Like as far as like getting harassed, the initial attack vector, because we're talking about threat models. Um, but sometimes as you're saying, Shell, sometimes people are just girls on the internet or just people that somebody just wants to screw with. And so their threat model suddenly becomes, you have like, you know, a hundred people on 4chan trying to dox you right now. Right. Um, 
when that sort of thing happens, like when you start get like people find out your real name and your social security number and use that to get to your ISP or get to your utilities or get to your bank account, all those different things. When that sort of thing happens suddenly and quickly, like let's say it happens in an hour um, for no reason at all. What are some of the things that you guys would suggest if you were somebody who wasn't paranoid like us and have, you know, <laughs> So the, I guess the first thing to do is determine like what just what's going on, what's exactly happening to you. Stop and think and go like, oh shit, these people have posted this information. Where could they have got it from? Um, because if you just see your your docs, like you know, you see your mother's maiden name and you see your phone number next to your email address and your social security number, like where did this come from? Um, and I guess like that's sort of the first thing like if you're in the equifax dump which is a lot of people a lot of your data is there and and you might not know that the that equifax has ever been hacked but what you know is that your social is now public so what you can do is you can ring up and you can have that changed and then for each each piece of piece of information that is uh, that has been leaked about you like what can you do where could it come have possibly come from and what can you do to either update, change, uh, roll passwords, whatever you have to do to then recover that thing. So evaluating what has been put up there, I guess, is, is the first step. Yeah. Yes. And uh... oh, sorry. don't rush straight into your incident response. Like, you know, slow yourself down and write a list and try and figure out what your exposure is so that you can kind of respond in priority. Like if you rush straight into thinking, oh my God, I've got to call these utilities, I've got to call this bank, you're going to start missing out stuff. Yeah, being thorough, I guess, making sure that you're you're doing it. Um, where yeah. possible, take exports of your account data. Um, that might help you build a timeline. Uh, so if you got like Facebook or whatever else you might be using, see what you can get from that. Yeah. Um, no off in the chat said a big thing, which is like credit freeze. Um, because yeah, once once someone like opens the line of credit and runs up shit, like using your info, like that's not fun or easy to to roll back. Um, so yeah. so when... like there's that. I don't know if anyone's ever used like um you know, like the credit or like active, like monitoring services. Um, but yeah, there's so like credit stuff. Bank, bank, banks in Australia are pretty good about this stuff. Like uh, I know a case where somebody's credit card was physically stolen and that it was used, um, the same account was used in two geographical places, different geographical places physically on the same day. And the bank were just like, oh yeah, no problem. We can see that's fraud. The secondary one's been cancelled, the one that was used in the, in the other location, and now um, it'll take like three months or something ridiculous before you get a refund, but just there's no tier. Any fees associated with said uh, credit, like used credit, will be refunded. So like they're, they're yeah. pretty good here. Yeah, um, and there's no harm in just ringing your bank and letting them know that you think you've got a problem because they can put monitoring on your accounts and whatever else. Uh, it costs you nothing. So has anybody mentioned checking have I been pwned? To, like if you're doing password reuse, if you're in like a dump somewhere? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a spam email that I've used for everything since I was like fucking, I don't know, 12 or something. And that thing's been compromised like 13 yeah. times. <laughs> yep. like, yeah. Yeah. Multiple accounts is something most people don't have. Like, um, yeah. 
I would say that most people, um, the sort of in in our realm, would have you know their backup accounts and then accounts, certain accounts linked in, in a, a thought out. What well, you know, some they maybe they thought them out when they were twelve, but there's some you know some thought out way that's at least not one account has everything. Yeah. Um, and then you have and you know we like I was I would dare say everyone in here owns a domain, so they have their you know their yeah. own mail and stuff as well in different ways. Bigballs.club. Yeah. So <laughs> Matrix in the chat has said uh, as well, uh, one of our really early episodes, but I think it's probably not something we can get onto too much. This is more of like a after you've been wrecked. Um, but PII poisoning is definitely a, a, a tech, sort of technique you can use prior to being owned. Yeah. Has anybody here ever had their power cut off? I mean, um, for paying bills or sucked, uh. no 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 by getting <laughs> oh no i'd be fucking scared to get like a smart house and just shit. Well, i think we I mean, talked about that didn't we that like, happened uh, to me man imagine if you're a business and you're hosting your own fucking applications in your closet somewhere yeah Oof. well that's a bad idea you got more problems than getting known yeah exactly yeah. like hell yeah who needs to hack it if you want to cause an outage like just freak up the uh service provider Electricity. Scary as fuck. SCADA systems are a lot of fun, though. Like, if you're on an engagement ever or something for those penetration testing guys out there, try and find some SCADA systems if it's in scope. Because they're a lot of fun if you actually can take control of something. Um, I guess, like... There's a lot of interesting things as well. I guess uh, knowing your adversary, which I guess is something we've talked about as well before, is something that is good to gauge as well. Because if a, if a script kitty like, or a bunch of people from 4chan, like, if it's one individual person on Facebook that knows you, that like has a reason, like that is you know trying to de- you're trying to determine attribution based on like why would somebody hack me. Um, and if it is just like a, a random occurrence on the internet, it's a little different, but if you like, oh, okay, so this person knows this information about me and they've got a reason, they've got a motive to do it. And it, it like without jumping to conclusions, cause a lot of the time, like, um, I mean, I guess almost again, everyone in here again, is you shall not of being a hacker, right? like, oh, you guys are all hackers. So you all must want to hack me on the internet. Like that's mm. Don't jump to conclusions, but also like in cases where somebody has something, a reason to do this and is likely to do this and has the skills to do this, um, how technically advanced are they? Um, are they technically advanced to do something? And if it's a bunch of people on 4chan just messing with you, like they might just want to mess with you and not go yeah. all the way, you know? I mean, as to keep in mind that 90% of compromises come from automated attacks. Um, there's going to be a lot of systems out there trying to do automated like scam calls and stuff that pull your information. Um, and botnets out there already will try and get into your systems and compromise it further. But there's very rarely one single person actually targeting you. Because if you're an old person on the internet or something, um, security probably isn't that great, but you probably didn't piss off any particular hacker. You're going to fall for some scam out there, and that's going to be what actually ends up fucking over your identity or stealing credit cards and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. The last thing I had to respond to was uh, scammers ringing up my mother 
installing mm-hmm. Team Gear on a machine and saying, hey, we're going to help you fix your machine. And she yeah. rang me up and said, hey, Microsoft, they're uh, fixing my machine, but they want to log into my bank account to get the money to, to pay for this. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem right. It's like, uh, okay, stop. <laughs> yeah. On the router, out of the wall right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so there's that factor as well of like dealing with family members who are super non-technical, don't have any of the knowledge that we have. Try to do mm. incident response with them is just entirely another, entirely another thing, right? Yeah, it's pretty awful. Um, and I guess old routers and things are, are huge. We saw like UPnP hacks with Chromecast. Like if you're just sitting at your TV, <laughs> right, or you're just in the kitchen or something and the TV's on, and then all of a sudden it's playing like you know Rick Astley. Like yeah. that could be super. That's super scary for someone who has no idea. It just starts playing weird videos, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like your printer's printing out like messages to you and stuff like that. Um, because you were in like because you yeah, shall not be named. Because you just because you uh, came up in a showdown search or whatever, right? Like it's just all of a sudden like all oh, your shit's gone crazy. Like what do you yeah. do then? Um, and I think at that at that point, uh, it, the best thing you can do is like ring. Uh, re, uh, first, first of all, ring your ISP, but they probably aren't going to send you a new router or anything. So mm-hmm. sort of search out someone who can help you yeah. with this. Yeah, the first time I compromise, you should definitely unplug from the internet. Like, because uh, a lot of people are going to get like adware droppers if they're pirating shit or something. Um, and if it can't reach out to the server to connect back, then you're not going to get any more. Malware. There's still be, still be aids on your machine, but you know you're not gonna have 715 pieces of malware opposed to like the 200. Well, that's what I did. I said treat this machine as compromised. We're just gonna turn it off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I went and bought her. A, I bought my mother a Chromebook actually, and said, right, this is this is what we're gonna recover from on another network, and slowly picked away at it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, to get it through her head, like that computer is something that you don't touch anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot harder to siski a Chromebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I found though that um, with a lot of alternatives to uh, running specifically Windows 10 or OS X, uh, when family members have problems with ISPs and they call up and they say, my internet doesn't work, they're like, can you click on start? And they're like, uh, yeah. Uh, I run Cubes OS. Like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, Redux. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's also the convenience thing where like sometimes like yeah, you, family members like a Chromebook uh, might be hot. Like when they run into problems when other people try and help as well. Yeah. Um, one I of the found... things I tell my parents that they that when they reconfigure their router recently on a phone with the, the ISP. That they needed to have the local network set to a certain subnet, and the guy on the phone had no idea what that meant. And uh, <laughs> there was a whole lot of me on the phone trying to walk my mom through a router I've never heard before. Like, just, Yikes. you know. Yeah, it's also worth noting that uh, a lot of times, sometimes it's just best to get uh, the old people, uh, like, tablet. Like, mm-hmm. uh, that's, I mean, that's one way to prevent, like, that entire, like, class of attack, right? Well, we even look at it and go, what do you need? You need email, a browser, you might want to listen to a bit of music and whatever else. They go, yeah, that's all I ever want to use this thing for. You're like, well, here you go. Here's an iPad. Mm -hmm. I want to look at photos. I mean, there's still scams that can come out of that, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, there definitely are, but you 
you'll miss the the Windows ones and that kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, we'll still get the you know. There's a lot the less usability. Bad, I guess that mm -hmm. uh, you can really come out of that because you can't. You know. At the same time, though, there is uh, uh, someone else's mom bought a uh, bought a tablet, an Android tablet, and um, my friend went to their place and had a look at it and just the next time I saw them, we're like, holy shit. I've oh, never yeah. seen a, a tablet with so many ads. I don't know where they're coming from. The only way to, is to factory reset it, but it's the only device they use. And it, it introduces like a whole different problem, like their own in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, yeah, because, you know, oh, download this app because this app says so, like, you're playing the shitty crossword game. Right, and all mm -hmm. the apps always pop up, and they don't know not to download, or they clicked on something, and now they're there. Might as well hit the download button. Right, all that kind of stuff. I've ironically used parental controls to <laughs> <laughs> keep my well. You know, it's just like I don't know what's safe to install and whatever else. So I said, I'm going to put parental controls on your Chromebook, and uh, yeah. if you want something, give me a ring. And she's asked for like Spotify and WhatsApp and a couple of things at least. Yeah, go for it. That'd be safe. Yeah, um, that's actually yeah. very, very smart. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a trade off, right? You guys have totally hit nail on the head to to minimize the attack surface on whatever else you're going to end up doing something a little bit specialist and having to support them. But it saved me from doing more incident responses because I can guarantee if I left my mother with a Windows 10 machine again, she you know wouldn't be far off going on. Oh, I think this is an update or I clicked on this and we'd be back to where we are. So it's, yeah. you're never going to quite get it perfect day. But um, yeah, there's also the um, argument that a lot of IT people make that I can't get my fucking head around and I never have where they're like, no, don't install updates. It slows your machine down. <laughs> oh, what kind of fucking stupidity is that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, do you have you never read patch notes as like one time? Like you've never read a single <laughs> patch note from like Windows. Yeah, like that. That's the that's the height of like you shouldn't work with computers. Please leave. Yeah. Um. So I think that might be based on people upgrading patches, and then you know it's supposed to run on newer hardware. So I remember that was a long time ago with XP and. You know, people would upgrade from XP to, you know, Windows 7 or whatever. Um, and the requirements just sort of completely different. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the general thought that, right, something that's uh, newer, like, requires more power. And it's not necessarily uh, understanding, like, the underlying mechanisms at play. Yeah, there's a difference yeah, between break fix uh... mentality and actually solving problems. So I think if you are going to be rebuilding machines as well, like make sure that before you can, like if you connect, if you install an XP box and connect it to the internet before, it'll be owned before you patch it, right? So yeah, absolutely. With, like, make sure you have an, an ISO that's slipstreamed with all the updates and stuff ready to go when you're recovering as well. Like choose the choose the the smart way. Don't be a scrub. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking of a, a story. Um, first off, can you guys hear me? Okay, I I switch yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. everything yeah. around. Yeah. Want to you know? <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you my my path to the internet, but <laughs> it's a bit better now. Um, Loud and clear. So, so um, just as a side note, uh, for having people, uh, I guess 
use the uh, the computer that, that it makes sense for them to use. I had somebody that I had a coworker a while ago that had uh, they asked me to um, to help fix their computer and you know, did it after hours and stuff. And it was before I worked in, in technology. Um, but they gave me their, their computer. That mind you, this person is like in it was in their 60s, I believe, or even 70s. Um, hey, I resemble my remark. They brought in a gaming PC with like a dope graphics card and like all the <laughs> case lighting and shit. And I was like, where did you get? Th- How is this your thing that you use to write <laughs> Word documents on? And that was what she used it for. She got it from her uh, grandson or something. Oh um, it upgraded, so she he just gave her his old computer, but she just had it, and it was just like it was some weird error with like the video card. Like it was like it wouldn't turn on. Like so, I had to like repeat everything, and I was just like. How do you have like 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 RGB like case lighting? In your thing? <laughs> it was just amazing. I don't know. I love that kind of thing. But yeah, but at the same time though, it definitely like uh, limit yourself to things that you uh, are familiar with if you want to be really um, like able to do proper incident response. So if you are interested in why you got hacked or what broke, it is good to have at least a good understanding of the system that you're using. And if it's Something that is, like, I, I'm not a big fan of, of, like, like things like Apple for the reason that I don't exactly know the full, like, the way that everything works. Like, there's not documentation on it. Same with Windows. I get frustrated with, too, with not understanding why or how things work when I want to know. Um, and so it's definitely something, though, like, if you, you just, it's, uh, it's really good to know what your attack surface is. Um, in that regard. So also, speaking of, uh, am I coming in all crazy internet? now? Oh Christ! Okay. Oh Christ! Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, SIM swapping because that's something that we've see as a thing, and we've talked about SIM swap getting caught and things like. That. But that's something that if you do get actually SIM swapped, that's a pretty like, people use their phone for you know two-factor auth and for all sorts of things, Bitcoin wallets. If you can't get a text message back on your phone um, for authenticating to your bank, uh, what do you do? If anybody has any experience or suggestions, the the first thing is that if you've been sim swapped, it's likely too late because they've been they're they're ready to go. They've attacked you. Yeah, do you have enough information to like gain control over your account and everything? You're most likely they just, fuck. But they're just so, waiting at the at the point that they that a sim swap happens, so that they, they've made the call to T-Mobile or AT and T, whatever. They've they've made the call. They're already waiting for an incoming SMS, right? They've already got something that they've got a password, and they're usually you don't just swap first and then go, oh, like now what? Like you've already targeted them, you've got it, you've doxed them, you've got enough to call up and do it. Um, but I think that one of the biggest things is like um, the way that you can port a mobile number in different countries is is different. And again, like not a hundred percent certain, but I'm I'm fairly certain that if uh, I wanted to even move my own number to another account, I have to go into a store and do it, um, and take identic like identifying documents with me. 
So right, depending right. on your type of account, like if you have a prepaid account, it's very unlikely you have any of those kind of uh, things in place. Dude, I've also, been able to add a, sorry, I've been able to add a prepaid phone to my account. And um, so if I lose control of my main one, I'm going to be able to call them directly up and like, hey, I'm the account holder of this account, lost my primary phone. Um, don't know what that's like in the US or Australia, but here yeah, that's in New Zealand, that's pretty trivial to do. Yeah. They're also yes. figuring out that like the, uh, if you know just a little bit about the paging stuff and SS7, it's super fucking easy to intercept text messages. Like you can mm. literally, you don't even have to technically SIM swap. And they're actually finding out that this is happening more than what they realized it was. Like you could just intercept the message that's coming in for the 2 FA. Yeah, that's, uh, I think SS7 attacks of like, oh man, that's like mega, like 92 maybe. Oh, there was actually, let me find the link. They're, they found out that 5G is actually vulnerable to something yeah, like that. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. 5G and all those network LTE are all vulnerable. Like the way the protocols serve the DNS and everything is rotten. It can be manipulated by so many exploits. Just think about the variant that was, uh, what was the name? Alter, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was pretty fucked know. up. We all know that SS7 is, is kind of shit. That's kind of a sidebar here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I guess, like, because kids can sim swap is the main thing. Because I guess, like, so when I say I have to go into a, into a store to do something, there's people who work in that store and there's attackers who could be working in that store as well or have access to the accounts of people who work in said store. You know what I mean? So there's still, uh, it's still the end of the day, an automated system that only takes a few clicks to, to migrate a number. Um, so having, you know, the ability to recover that number, because there's been a case where um, someone, it was actually a, a screw up where a phone number was released and churned provider um, because somebody typed, you know, typoed in the box and clicked okay. And uh, the person rang me up and said, hey, I can't call, nobody can call me. And when they call the number, it, it, somebody else answers the phone. Um, and so that's, that was a case of uh, calling up the telco, explaining the problem, having a look at the history of that number and then identifying um, the original owner as who they were. And then they made the necessary changes and apologized to the person they gave it to. So it, it can be sorted out, but I think that the key is like sorting it out as much like after the facts, like, if some if you have been sim swapped and that happens to you, then you have to also go. All right, then why would they have done this? What could be used for? What do I two FA for? Where is my phone number? Um, all that kind of thing as well has to come into it, not just yeah. recovering. And it's worth noting, like um, the two F, like using two FA that's not tied to your phone is is pretty big in that situation, like to minimize the amount of damage that that can cause. Yeah, the backup, uh, the backup codes as well. Like, um, you can store your OTP backup codes if you trust your password safe and your um, your controls around your password safe, because you're like unlikely to ever copy the password safe um, notes or whatever section in there. Like the backup codes, you're unlikely to ever copy those directly to the clipboard unless you're recovering. So if you trust your password safe, then uh, you could do that, but the recommended is to print the backup codes and file them um, like physically. At the same time, 
what's your threat model again? Is somebody likely to uh, break into your office and steal them or into your house or whatever? Like, or are they likely to get your password safe, unlocked and decrypted? Like there's all, you have to make those decisions sort of for yourself and have those ready to go just in case. So in terms of like, if you want to actually like fuck with the person who swapped you, uh, you might be able to ask the telco agent to uh, carry your blacklist, the IMEI of the device that last connected to your account. So, like, not your device, but, like, the attacker's device. The odds that right. that his mom pays for are pretty high. Yeah, the, there's also, um, so that when you enter a SIM uh, into a phone, the IMSI is, like, when you connect to the network, the IMSI and IME is paired together. So the, the handset and the SIM are then stored for like in a database somewhere as that they have once been associated and then that can be correlated against every other device. So if a SIM swapper is reusing a handset, then they can be uh, attributed all the way back to uh, every device. So, and I mean, SIM swappers are not um, the top tier OPSEC masters that they claim to be usually. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of paper trail involved with uh, sim swapping. Um, and obviously it's like the ones that were found um, but because there's like running a hotel and there's, uh, you know, caught on camera going in and out of a uh, store. Yeah, that's definitely also a massive thing as well is that when um, police catch criminals, they often use police methodology not like all this crazy paranoid shit that we talk about. They're like, oh, yeah, guy was on camera, went in the store, nabbed him, got that guy. But, uh, um, yeah. So. so with beyond, I guess, the subject of, I guess, the sort of more... Uh, if you're looking for a cheap way to have, like, separate uh, SMS multi-factor authentication, look at Twilio. Uh, you can buy a number for like a couple bucks and then just manage it with some Python. Or you can get an actual SIM card from them. Twilio is also blocked by a lot of um, providers as well so that people can't use Twilio to uh, identify themselves because they're not identified with um, with Twilio. So they're identified with the telco, uh, which allows like those numbers to be um, used for like identifying services, but Twilio is blocked. I think Discord, in fact, blocks Twilio, even. Oh. Yeah, a lot of uh, like web services are blocked by things just for, you know, anti-spam reasons. Yeah. No, it makes it's it also- tough. I, I, I've tied a bunch of things to like Google Voice and other things, and I, I see like that there's issues with that as well. It definitely gets frustrating. Yeah, and there's a maximum amount of accounts that Google will allow uh, associated to a single phone number as well. Mm-hmm. There is like some certain protections that are a pain in the ass. Um, But I guess CID spoofing, I guess, is another attack. Um, You know, getting someone to call back the wrong number, things like that. Yeah. Oh, so Dash just asked if Facebook and or LinkedIn accepts Twilio numbers. And I don't think they do, either of them, because I actually, here's a story of a DFIR thing. I was uh, somebody who had gotten... In a nasty breakup had uh, their ex um, had taken over their everything. They took over their their main Gmail, their whole phone that the email was tied to, all their bank stuff, locked them out of everything, and and just like 
was uh like just screwing with them it was like awful but so um i they wouldn't let me put any other number um in her facebook to be able to um because he had he had switched the number to um what's it called the like his number and so i had a. Uh, I had to put my real cell phone number in this girl's um, Facebook number to allow me to be able to take the account back and do um, like auth on that, um, which led that kid to then get my real phone number from that and start calling me over and over again until I uh, forwarded all of his uh, calls to his uh, his mom and his work. Um, that was the only way that I got him to stop. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's scary though because if you have only one phone or you only have access to like one real phone number, um, especially with SMS, if you have a home phone, you're not going to get an SMS through that. Um, yeah, it gets real scary for some of the bigger accounts that you have like Gmail and things. There's actually that's actually uh, something you reminded me of as well uh, with Discord because they're so great at everything. <laughs> um, once you associate a number with Discord uh, for 2FA, even if you remove it, it stays on the account. But you can't actually remove a number from a Discord account ever. So if you do, if your Discord is compromised and there is a number on there, um, it will stay there. So you yeah. could, uh, that's that's technically some kind of honeypot, I think. Yeah, actually, one time <laughs> I sent a burner account with um, with T-Mobile. Um, I got somebody somebody else's Facebook just logged in because I had their number and it was still associated with their Facebook and uh, just logged me in with the Facebook app automatically. I didn't even do anything. It was just, I was in some kid's Facebook and he he had like a giant like shoe selling business too, like like a sneaker, sneaker like Jordans. I was like, there's like a sneaker empire that just handed to me. <laughs> that, was, uh, that actually reminds me when I was in, uh, when I was in, at defcon last year um so roaming phone numbers from australia to america cost a shitload right so you, you there's those uh sim uh vending machines at lax and so i picked up a couple of sim cards um and yeah had them activated and then like a week later but just before i was going home i wanted to get uh like uber eats and like i could not sign up to uber eats because it's like recover your password and um you're like okay this it's like your phone number's in use. And you're like, okay. It's like, enter the email that is associated with the phone number. Like, I have no fucking idea. Like, I just got this. Number. Yeah, they don't always really? make it that easy. <laughs> but they, it just means like the, the rate that those numbers are rolling um, to that particular provider. I can't remember who it was. I don't know. Whatever provider sells SIM cards in a vending machine. At a, um, but yeah, they just, those numbers roll like constantly and get reused. So. Yeah. If you are using one of those numbers, I could definitely recommend that you don't run your sneaker empire from it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. yeah. I was really hungry, you know. I was like, I want to get Uber Eats or whatever. And I was like, hurry up. Where the hell is my food? God, I can't get any food. Well, this is like, it's difficult. So uh, the last thing I think that we should kind of discuss on um, that we haven't really touched on is what to do if you, if like any of your boxes gets like popped, like whether it's your laptop or it's your VPS, um, what are some of the steps that you guys take if you notice something weird happening? And, and I uh, have a script that just pulls a whole bunch of information about the system and writes it into Excel workbooks. 
Um, I could run it across like a whole domain or like a whole network. It makes it really easy for me to just like take a quick look at shit. Pull it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Disk image. Uh, if I think if I actually think something's happened, then I go for the disk image, um, and usually isolate it to a different VLAN really quickly. That uh, mm -hmm. if it is, like that goes out a different gateway to my rest of my machines, so that if um, I'm hitting C2s or something, I can isolate it like super quickly. Um, yeah. And then yeah, span port it and look at it, and it depends. Subverting like, the the kernel can be useful, depending if it's like a job or at a home network. Yeah, your approach, depending on uh, whether it's personal or work, is definitely going to vary. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah. like, once you, like, if you start running scripts and stuff uh, that does, you know, pull a bunch of information out of the machine, they might be similar scripts to the ones run by the attacker. So if you can image that box as soon as possible, um, like, very very quickly you know and if it's a uh, you know using write blockers and things like that as well which we talk about in an upcoming show um then yeah i mean then you can look at the image and whatever because you have a a, a point in time snapshot of, of that image. yeah like as soon you see like so your integrity like verification software like triggering something that is not normal, like DNZ said, back up your shit, make an image as soon as you can. Maybe sometime you want to play with, with it and don't make the attackers think. It's uh, also important to know the order of volatility of a system. Uh, like there's certain actions you might want to do last because it would have like greater impact on a system. Um, so depending on like what kind of depth of imaging you want to do, like you might want to take a memory dump first before you do anything, uh, or who knows. Yeah. But uh, it's really just dependent on more. Yep. Yeah, I think um, as well, like with VPSs and stuff, like don't, don't put you, like for example, I don't IRC from the VPS that I have, like uh. I host anything on, you know what I mean? Like, separate mm -hmm. your shit so that when you do get it's owned, like just yeah, just assume that you're going to get owned, and then um, so that then you're only damage controlling a single. Like, don't like a lot of people I've seen this like hilarious when um they they put their public key on a box, they also put the same private key on the box for some unknown godly reason, mm -hmm. and then it's like oh okay, like check out the host file. Oh, they've SSH into like seven hundred other things or whatever. Like yeah, you only the, the fucking public key on the server. Yeah, yeah. When they transfer the private key as well, you're like, okay, where the, where was the last time they SSH'd in from? I wonder if that has a oh, it does. I wouldn't know anything about that. Wasn't there uh, some way to track people based on public keys on a uh, GitHub? There was uh, there was mass scanning of uh, host keys, so when people were like logging in, and then like attribution of uh, your previous uh, known hosts. I don't know about the opposite way though. Now I'm confused. If you got a box that's owned and you're on a lighter type of approach, uh, like say you're on a, you have a user box at work or something, and it gets owned and it's Windows. Hop into your app data of that, especially the user that's logged in, and just kind of like start checking that. Before that, though, I would definitely pull the cord if it's a user box, and see what might. Yeah. 
I think it's like the one of the big takeaways from this entire thing is like don't tie like more stuff to the same like single piece um and you have to and like make sure you have like yeah. you know, plan ahead plan on getting owned like dnc said you need to diversify your bonds <laughs> Yo. don't put all your eggs in one basket there's also yeah, someone yeah. said in the chat earlier that like google yourself often and um like it sounds really narcissistic but like knowing what your online footprint is and managing that um, and like educating other people as well. Um, one of the big things that I've seen people give out way too much information on is those uh, those uh, anonymous question websites where you ask someone a question and they'll answer mm-hmm. it. It's like an AMA yeah. and they're like they're popular with like um, younger, with, oh, man, I feel old. They, they're popular with like the, the younger generations, I guess, where they go, oh yeah, would you, you know, what about this? What about that? And they'll just like give their answers freely because they're having fun. But what they don't realize is that it, literally anyone can read. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your mother's maiden name? Yeah, Take, right. Uh, your mother's maiden name challenge. Of all um... the dogs you've had, what was, <laughs> what was your favorite one? And it's like the first dog they ever owned. Yeah. Also, um, like, scan your ranges, too. Like, it's something you do at work that might take up a lot of time, but it takes, like, two seconds to, like, and map your IP from a EC2 instance or something. Like, see what you have exposed. Yeah, damage control is, like, really difficult, and uh, the more stuff that to be owned is potentially owned. Absolutely. Um, so what, what you were saying, though, about too much information, I'd actually put that out there. So accidentally posting too much info is a thing that happens. We've actually seen it before. If you guys recall, even when uh, the, that person um, accidentally revealed their uh, database password on, on stream, <laughs> and got hacked live, um, and then came into Discord to talk to us about it. Um, that kind of thing, though, how, I guess, if that happens to you, like, let's say you for some unknown reason, accidentally put out your password to something on stream. What is the first thing that you'll do? Or the first two things that you'll do to have damage control? Change your password? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) First thing, stop streaming. (laughs) Add a one to the end. (laughs) Exclusion point. Definitely, like, if you're going to stream, like, one of the things I'm pretty sure that almost everybody did when we did our 24-hour stream was nobody streamed their actual desktops, everybody streamed virtual machines, and just that window. Yeah. Um, No, that's definitely a a thing. (laughs) Yeah, and that means, you know, you're not going to be opening your password manager and accidentally showing all the things that you could possibly log into with your password manager, or... You know, in the case of Pimp Alex ninety one, he had a uh, a text document on his that was all his like uh, crypto keys for his various uh, darknet wallets. Um, what was that darknet called? It just never Alpha opened Bay. the hacky hack folder. On yeah, on yeah, the like Al- Alpha Bay, Alpha. they found like a text document on his desktop with all the crypto with all the uh, like BIP thirty nines, I think, or maybe it was just the passphrases. But they recovered all the seeds. But is that really surprising, considering the fact that the fucking welcome email for the forums came from PimpAlex91 at Hotmail? <laughs> That's uh, not surprising at all. 
But at the same time, that's kind of the people that, I mean, somebody who might do that might be the kind of person that's getting owned, not um, your ultra paranoid, more paranoid than us people are a lot more difficult to, to get, right? Uh, also, when, like when streaming and that kind of stuff, like having two monitors is real good. Yeah, like <laughs> real good. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I feel like just it's e it's very easy to get, you know, caught up and accidentally screw up with something like this. And it's just like, I guess as far as like, you know, um, if something does happen, you do reveal something. Even if you, like, if you ever have you, anybody here ever noticed a. Uh, there like something that they didn't expect to get indexed on Google be indexed. Oh yeah. Very much so. so. Oh yeah. What is, so yeah, I, I know a lot of people have experienced that. Um what is I guess something that you can do for a case like that? Because it's like when something is out there and it's searchable and like if it's like the first result <laughs> if you know what to type. <laughs> how do you how do you, how do you sort of mitigate that? What are the sort of does anybody ever had any experience with drowning out results or cry um, make your twitter private yeah i think um so like git directories being indexed is like uh pretty if you if you google doc for for git you can um like i wrote a tool in like i don't know five plus years ago now it's called git money and that you can recover git repos with uh, yep. through lfis with the regex and um anyways the, the idea is once you do that you can then um, like look at the Git history and you'll get people's email addresses, every email address that the developer works from and stuff like that. And that's not, as long as the, as long as you find that the Git exists and those things, if they're like, they're not always protected, you don't always need LFIs. You can sometimes just look and, and download that and decode and have a look. It's pretty, um, there's a lot of things like there's a time. I use it a lot of time. Yeah. There's, there's uh, a lot of things that can be, that are kept in stuff like that, that, should be scrubbed and never make it to production. And once they're indexed, then if they're on archive.org, then they're on archive. Um, one thing you could do, like if you do have decent web logs, like let's say your application's exposed and some shit gets indexed, you can look for like the web crawlers like Googlebot or Yandex or Yahoo or whatever your like HTTP get requests. And then that should give you a good idea of where it might be indexed. Um, yeah, I think once once it's indexed, it's out there. So don't put it there to begin with is is the best thing. But once and we spoke about PRI poisoning on a previous show as well. So if it's um a lot of the shout time, if somebody, sorry what? I said shout out Dash. Sorry. Yo, um, but yeah, so uh, with PRI poisoning, um, it can be difficult to do after the fact, but you can build up a profile like. A lot of the time when it, it's somebody is trying to dox you, they're going to go as far until they're satisfied that you are who they say they are. So if there is enough information about you that correlates in different places and they go like, oh, uh, yeah, I got this person. It's it's Joe Bloggs, and that's definitely the guy's name. Um, and I'm sure of it. And this is his mother's maiden name. And here's his phone number. And here's his email address and all that stuff. They'll be like, okay, that's the guy. We got, I got him, and then they're satisfied, and they get bored or whatever. Like that's a lot of um, like sort of low tier adversaries, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It just it definitely gets real scary when it's when it when with how easy it is to archive stuff. Like, <laughs> have you ever gone and just searched like site archive.is and then whatever and just see some weird shit that you're like, who took the time to archive this? Yeah, I mean, I gets... definitely wrote a archive script within the last sort of fortnight for uh, oh Christ, these kind of things. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Before we wrap it up, it's almost 11.30 here, almost time to get over. Does anybody have any last words about any of this stuff before we go? If you are going to start deleting um, shit that you might uh, have exposed on the internet or whatever, it's probably a good idea to keep a copy offline just for like, your own records. Uh, whether it's like screenshots of like what you did or um, like actually copying and pasting text, it could be helpful. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. If you are uh, unsure, then speak to somebody who is more sure than you, like, and consult people. In the case yeah. of even people who think, if you think you know, maybe also ask a friend who you trust also knows and also isn't going to take advantage of the situation. Yeah, and if you think um, doing incident response for a family member or a non-technical kind of loved one it's gonna suck have a talk to them about it before it happens there's also there's an interesting feature that i know exists on facebook where uh, you can specify like trusted friends as recovery sources um it doesn't like don't sound very safe uh and i don't know much else about it other than it exists but uh, yeah, I did that, but like the dude that I did it to, like I've known him since like the third grade and shit. So like, I think it's just more of like, make sure you trust who you set that. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is, uh, if you're more than one person, you can be your own friend for recovery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Nice, <laughs> nice. But you like definitely it. shouldn't. If you if you do have multiple profiles that uh, you're using for other reasons, then don't be your own friend because that's pretty obvious. Yep. Yeah. Correlation. <laughs> Keep your circle right. like it is, and disposable people are everywhere. <laughs> Does uh, anybody remember that DefCon talk from a while back where the guy was falsifying death records? Oh yeah. Like, how would yeah. you recover from an attack where somebody falsified your death? So, uh, that guy, Chris Rock, he went through that system in Australia as well, and the, the equivalent one of the US, or the EDRS, Electronic Death Registration System. And uh, basically, you have to know that that's happened. And most of the time, most people don't know that they've been marked as dead until they try to get on a plane with a passport or something. And um, from what I recall from the talk was you need to appear in front of a judge within five years and say that you're alive. Because if you don't, there's like a timeout in, in some states where uh, once you have been legally dead for so long, they're like, ah, you're legally dead forever. I'm like, I'm standing right here. <laughs> I pronounce Does that it. mean you can start committing crimes and they can't be used against you? 
I actually <laughs> really like that that's happened before. There was a guy that he faked his death and then when they caught him, he would the court had said he was legally dead. They could not they there was no way for them to charge him because he was dead. Could they deport him then? Like would he have citizenship? I don't know. I don't know, because I didn't really look that far into it. I just know that they were having an issue. I don't know if it was ever resolved or not, but, like, I think they just kept him in jail, but they couldn't, like, do anything with him. You're not a real person. You're dead. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hey, so we should uh, get going now. Um, But thanks, everybody, for coming and hanging out. All the new people in chat, too. Everybody who subscribed. All of our Patreon people. Love you very much. Uh... Shout out mm-hmm. to everybody and fuck up and get a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, get a lawyer. I planet. H. Hurt in the car, call William Matar. See y'all next week. Bye. Yes.